you know, I know the secret to happiness. But you know what? If I'm armed with this knowledge, I have an obligation to share it with the masses, right? Whether you believe me or not. If not, I mean, what kind of prevention specialist would I be? It actually isn't that much of a secret. It's based on research that goes way back to the 70s. I'm sure there are a lot of counseling students out there that will recognize this as self-determination theory. It says that humans are far more content when they have three particular values met. The first one is feeling competent in what they do. Whether it's your work or your hobby or even your job as a parent, people need to feel that they are good at what they do. Now, the second one is connectedness. There's been even more recent research behind this and says your level of connection to others in your community also increases your longevity. And we're not talking about our internet lives. When we interact with people face to face, our brains release all of these neurotransmitters that actually make you healthier. It releases oxytocin, which is also called the love hormone. That can't be bad, right? And it lowers your cortisol levels. Those are your stress hormones. And that's also a very, very good thing. But can you guess the third value? The third value is autonomy. Being free to self-govern. Being comfortable in your own skin and safe in the knowledge that you are accepted by those in your life. Of all three of these values, this one may be the most important, especially for our LGBTQ plus friends and family. Imagine how heartbreaking it can be to know that you are not welcome because of who you are. To have to trade your autonomy for acceptance. Our storyteller today is Andrew Kern. Andrew is a transgender male who proves that even in that community, there are gender role expectations. Folks, everything is on a spectrum. There is no right or wrong way to be a he, she, or they. If we can accept this truth and practice it in our daily lives, we give the gift of autonomy to those in our lives that we care about. And that's a hell of a gift. I'm Bob Vines. This is Men Speak, a show that aims to build a safer community through education, storytelling, and community engagement with a goal of eliminating gender-based violence in Albany County. Andrew Kern spoke at our Man Up event hosted by our friend Rose Curtis. Andrew is a recent graduate of Laramie High School and will be attending the University of Louisiana at Lafayette in the fall. He will be double majoring in performing arts and sociology with goals to become a stage manager or a therapist. And as a transgender man, Andrew hopes to create change in the world by continuing to express his voice. Okay. <laughs> uh, hi everyone, uh, my name is Andrew Kern. Uh, I use he, they pronouns, and today I'm going to be talking to you about what it's like being a feminine trans man. Now, I came out almost three years ago, and <laughs> let me tell you, it has been this huge relief off of my shoulders. You know, I'm, I'm finally able to show this part of myself to the world, and that feels so incredibly good. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, but, you know, there's always a but. <laughs> um, you know, when I first came out, one of the things that I was told was that I wasn't masculine enough, I wasn't trans enough, you know, I just wasn't enough. And there were all of these unspoken rules about what type of man I was supposed to be to even be considered valid. And um, now there was no nail polish, there's no makeup, no girly clothes, you know, whatever society deemed feminine, I wasn't supposed to be associated with. <laughs> and that led to me locking away even more parts of myself. You know, I was back into hiding in fear of others' judgment. And I'm a feminine guy. You know, I've always known that I'm a feminine guy. But this pushback led me to constantly question my identity almost every single day. <laughs> now, of course, a lot of this transphobia came from cisgender and heterosexual people. But what I was surprised to find was that most of this pressure to be the manliest of men <laughs> uh, actually came from within my own community. Um, and these were mostly trans men who were basically obsessed with being palatable for cisgender people in order to seem real by society. Uh, in fact, I used to have this friend uh, who is trans, and he became almost engulfed in toxic masculinity. It was crazy. I hated seeing what he was becoming. And he was actually one of the people that told me I wasn't manly enough to be trans like he was. And he, like many in the trans community, unfortunately believe that you have to be hyper-masculine or hyper-feminine and have dysphoria to be trans, which is totally false, by the way, if you do your research right. <laughs> um, you know, so not only was society telling me that I didn't exist, not only was my own community telling me that I wasn't enough to exist, but one of my closest friends, you know, someone who could have been a role model for me, told me that I didn't meet the minimum requirements to exist. And this vicious cycle of toxic masculinity is so detrimental to trans people, especially trans masculine people. And for me personally, this built up a lot of walls <laughs> and uh, created even more self-loathing than I have ever had before. <laughs> but uh, this past year, for the very first time, I saw someone who was like me. Um, does anyone here watch RuPaul's Drag Race? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> One of my favorite shows. Um, so on RuPaul's Drag Race, their most recent season, one of their contestants was a trans man as a drag queen. And uh, their name is Gottmik. And this amazing queen made it to the top four. You know, should have won, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I'm a little biased. <laughs> um, but I was watching this amazing performer be their authentic self for the world to see. And there was this one episode where Gottmik was talking about how they used to be ashamed of their femininity and that made them question their identity too. Um, but then they go on to say like, well, if 
cis guys can be feminine and still be valid as men, then why should it be any different for trans guys? And I, <laughs> just hearing this amazing performer talk about their art and their self-expression was so validating. You know, I had never related to anyone else more. And this representation, even though it was one guy, made all the difference for me. And, you know, I saw Gottmik being proud of their femininity and looking stunning while doing it. And for once, I started to feel proud of my femininity too. And, you know, I continue to work on myself and try to reverse that internalized transphobia and toxic masculinity every day. And I just want to say to all of you who question your validity um, of your identity, you are valid. It doesn't matter if you're feminine, masculine, androgynous, however you identify, you're valid. It doesn't matter. Don't listen to what other people have to say. And uh, now, I am proud to say that I'm masculine enough, I'm trans enough, I'm enough. Thank you. Now we're joined by my co-host, producer, and Wyoming journalist, Cooper McKim, with more from our storyteller, Andrew Kern. How did that feel? <laughs> it, um, wow. I, I forgot that my voice sounded like that. <laughs> and, um, that was also, um, but it was also like, um, cause I've never like listened to it. So it was mm. very, it was very cool to, um, hear how I delivered that. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Did, did anything else strike you? that you wouldn't have expected or make you feel any type of way? Um, I think like, cause I always like go back to like, whenever I write something I'm like, Oh yeah, that was actually kind of a smart way to do that. Um, I think that like the last lines, like I'm trans enough, I'm masculine enough. I'm enough. I think yeah. that that was, I think the speech was just structured very well and um i guess i'm just surprised at, uh how well i did i guess <laughs> that's a good takeaway well now andrew you're a speech debate kid right yeah i am was it different giving your um your story um to such a large audience yeah it was very i was so nervous um <laughs> i was telling my friends that i was like i don't know if i can do this i don't know if i can do this um even though i've like done public speaking events before um especially speech and debate um it was a lot and like it was just putting myself out there instead of doing like just a, a speech that i wrote about i don't know um some kind of topic <laughs> um so it was very nerve-wracking, but it felt very good um, putting myself out there. It's really interesting to me how people find their protective factors. Now, that might be oftentimes a relative, a friend, 
a family member. You chose um, a drag queen off of RuPaul uh, as your protective factor. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. What kind of relationship do you have with Gottmik right now? Uh, well, Gottmik right now is like extremely famous. Um, I know her. Um, she doesn't know me, but um, <laughs> I follow her on Instagram. So, <laughs> um, but I basically watch um, everything that Godmick does, um, and every kind of like podcast. And I've even used some of her um, like takes on it's that one specific episode that I mentioned in my speech, I actually used um, for a speech piece in college, um, talking about um, being feminine as a trans guy. So I kind of like, use the same idea, um, just putting more insight into God Mick's story. How's college going for you? It's been pretty good. I, I love college so much. <laughs> it's a lot more like freedom and getting able to learn about the things that I want to learn. Um, so I definitely enjoy it a lot more than any type of school I've had. The thing that was so unique about this piece to me was um, just the importance of different representations of masculinity in the media and femininity and just manhood. Is that something that you've thought about for a long time or something that, you know, maybe struck you young and then you realize later? Yeah, it's always been like, I don't know, because I, I still rarely ever see myself represented in literature, media, um, any type of representation. I, When trans people get represented, it's usually we are referred to as the monsters or the freaks, um, something that people just don't understand. Um, so it's always been like, representation has always been important to me because I've always been told that I was the freak, I was the monster. Um, so like when you get good representation, like seeing even a drag queen on reality t television, it can be like so liberating um, just to see that like, okay, well, none of that's true. like. And I mean, we all know it wasn't, but it's always hard to break that societal pressure. <laughs> so we talk a lot about um, how masculinity is on a spectrum. And in your story, you point out that you had a friend uh, who really identified on the, the far end of the masculine uh, spectrum. But did you find it weird that his reaction would, would be... Uh, that you were not masculine enough, especially coming from your own community with the understanding that this is a spectrum? Yeah, I was very surprised. Um, and we used to be like best friends. Um, so it was, um, we started to just divide. Uh, he was a year older than me, so he was at college and I was a senior. And we would be talking and like hanging out. And he just believed in like the binary and I was like, well, it's a spectrum. It's not, it's not a binary system. And he just couldn't understand that. 
And he was like, well, you either are a man or a woman, and you're either this or that, and you're either super masculine and you're either super feminine. And I'm like, that's not how it works at all. And, like, it's so weird because, like, he was a trans, he's trans, so, like, it's hard for me to understand that he doesn't get it um, because of all people um, who explore gender. um, You would think that he would understand but it was it was just very and it's surprising because a lot of the trans community does think that way which is hard for me to understand yeah why do you think that is i think it's just because a lot of those people i've heard that their argument is well the reason that people don't take trans people seriously is because we have trans guys wearing makeup trans guys doing this trans guys not getting top surgery and they think that that makes the rest of the world not take us seriously and which is not true they don't take us seriously because the world is transphobic and doesn't think of us as like people um and i think that they just are so afraid of being isolated again, that they just internalize that toxic masculinity and begin to harbor that and just kind of, I don't know, like they're just trying to hide from the rest of the world, like who they are and like try to hide it with masculinity. And I feel bad for these trans guys because like they don't, express who they really are and it's hard for them to even um put out to the world so i it's just it's a very interesting dilemma i could imagine that cis guys don't make it much easier either um with their own aversion to the understanding that um masculinity is on a spectrum we tend to, to go to that place where, um, you know, whether you call it hyper-masculine behavior or, um, or just, just on that far right side of the, the spectrum that tells us that, I don't know, cargo shorts in winter works all right, Tru- trucker hats, you know, uh, flannel, flannel and cargo shorts at the same time, which my wife tells me is not a very good fashion sense either, but uh if we did a better job as a society, you know, embracing the full spectrum of who we are, I, I may like football and barbecue uh, to, you know, a fanatics level, but I also like taking pictures of flowers and writing really bad poetry. But those are two things that I've never really felt comfortable talking about as a cisgendered man who uh, typically identifies on the far end of that masculine Uh, spectrum. I just wish that we could do a better job because I think when we, when we embrace the full spectrum of our being, of course, we give other people the, the permission to do so as well. And it makes it easier to empathize with, with everyone, regardless of where they started on this journey and where they, they ended up. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry Andrew, that we've, that we've built this culture around hypermasculinity, 
and how much grief it's given you on your own journey. I mean, it's, <laughs> I blame society and, um, you know, it's, yeah, a lot of us like try to emulate the cis men who are just very manly and hide their feelings and, you know, just that toxic, it's so weird because like, as soon as you start realizing that you're trans, like that toxic masculinity, um, especially for trans guys, it's just, it's right there. And I'm, I was shocked. I was like, I never thought I would experience that. Um, but I did. And like for years I would just hide, um, parts of myself. Like I, but now like I, um, I do drag and I like paint my nails. I, I'm also gay. Um, so I like other men. So some people think of that as more of a feminine thing. Um, yeah, I think like it just takes a lot of introspective time and like just looking into yourself. Um, and that is a very hard thing to do. And it definitely like how you said, it's hard to talk about feminine things about yourself. I think like, cause I had to talk about it like through therapy and stuff like that. And like you said, I think if we stop teaching um, young boys and men to stop hiding their feelings and to be this manly man, you have to be the head of the household and you have to be this and you have to be that. I think it just, it would be just be a lot better. And also like not telling women where or not putting them in their place, not putting them and telling them that they have to be feminine. And same with like non-binary people, genderqueer people. Like, it's just, like you said, like, I wish society would stop doing that. Uh, Cause I think we would just be better off overall. For, for Andrew, my, my question is, what does healthy masculinity mean to you? And for Bob, it's what elements of healthy masculinity can we take from? Andrew's story? Um, healthy masculinity to me is embracing non-masculinity, I guess if that makes sense. Um, hmm. Taking kind of the opposite of masculinity and just exploring the parts of yourself that are feminine or androgynous. Um, just learning to embrace those kinds of things and learning that it's okay to not be one way or the other, um, that you can be whoever you want to be at like any time that you want to be. Hmm. Yes. Uh, all those things. Uh, <laughs> plus one, one thing that stuck out to me on your story that, that I find absolutely, uh, really interesting is your resilience in, finding, uh, like I said before, those protective factors, whether it's through a star on, on RuPaul's drag race or, or just finding your people, right, that, that understand you, that, that, um, that make you comfortable. You know, it's an intrinsic value that we all hold very dear is connection, uh, finding those people that, that, that provide those supports, it doesn't matter who it is, as long as you, you find it. And I, 
I thought that your stories show that a really incredible level of resilience, uh, even being, you know, rejected by the, the community that you expected would or should accept you. You know, you still found a, a way to get past it. I also point out that uh, I believe that you are our youngest storyteller. Yeah. Um, you're still growing and learning, right, man? Right? Yep. I'm 19, almost but, 20. But, nice. but aren't we all? <laughs> exactly. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. I thought that your story, and I, and I watched it several times. I didn't get to see it live, but um, I was able to watch it on video several times. And I, I found your story very inspiring. I believe I also watched you do a, a poem once at a different storytelling uh, event that um, I found really inspiring as well, too. So, well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I just wanted to say thank you so much for uh, reaching out. Um, this is amazing and I'm so glad that it was able to reach other people and um, yeah I'm just excited to see where this goes and yeah just, just thank you guys so much <laughs> The Men Speak podcast is a project of the Campfire Initiative. It aims to build a safer community through education, storytelling, and community engagement with a goal of eliminating gender-based violence. It is produced and hosted by Cooper McKim and Prevention Specialist Bob Vines. This project was supported by grant number 2019-CYAX0016, awarded by the Office on Violence Against Women, U.S. Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this program are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Department of Justice Office on Violence Against Women.